Hello, my friends. This morning, I was on a run listening to Tom Bailu talking about how identity and values drive behaviors. And as I've been growing myself and helping others, I've learned how important it is not to base your identity on who you've been, but to base it on who you want to be. So if you want to be a great leader, you have to first see yourself as someone who values leadership skills. When you get to the top, you'll see that leadership is everything. You can't have a company, you can't have a team without a leader, and there are a lot of bad leaders out there. So what is a bad leader? It's one that doesn't grow, one that doesn't improve themselves. Great leaders are always growing and looking for an edge. To learn more about how you can raise the bar and develop an edge to identify your competitive advantage and become a better leader faster for yourself and for your team, visit leaderbits.io. Today we are talking to Travis Kimmel, the founder and CEO of Git Prime, and we discuss the difference in leadership for sales and engineering, recognizing patterns of success, and the importance of having an established culture as you begin to scale the company. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hey, what's up? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Oh, amazing. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Caffeine's still soaking in. You know how it goes. Caffeine. Dude, I'm off, <laughs> I'm, I'm off the caffeine, man. What? Oh, man. You are my hero. It was hard. It's hard. It's like um, I was off it for a while, and then I got on it again. And then yeah. I was off it. Like, when you come off of it, it's like you're withdrawing it's so difficult it's the worst yeah it's the worst yeah so i switched to a a caffeine free pre workout that's what was getting me oh nice that's that was the hook huh yeah cuz the pre workout's got so much caffeine in it dude and those workouts are amazing dude, you're like on fire <laughs> yeah. yeah and then you crash 2 hours later it's just like yes. oh, my adrenals are crispy so they yeah, my that's their that's actually their new slogan yeah, yeah. It's like, crispy amped, adrenals. my adrenals are crispy. <laughs> are your adrenals too juicy? We can help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to stop because I want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I'll be here the whole time. <laughs> 47 minutes of adrenal puns. <laughs> Big pitches about caffeine. Excellent. High value stuff. Oh, I like it, right? The audience wouldn't be too happy. Yeah. So usually I start with stories. Yep. But I'm particularly excited about your product. So cool. I was scanning the internets and I, and I saw this, an ad or something and I clicked on it and I was like, what are they doing? And I was just blown away. So can you tell me a little bit about what Git Prime is, what it does and how you're changing the world? Sure. So um, let's see. Once upon a time, I was an engineering manager um, and uh, Spent a lot of time kind of in the trenches, grew a few teams from small teams where you have this garage band feel up to, you know, you lose that at like 10 or something, um, which is about the time where somebody walks into a room and they're like, uh-oh, that's too many engineers. And they like wait for one to make eye contact and they're like, you're the manager, you're the most extroverted. <laughs> that's sort of my view of how engineering managers are born. So I was that person. Um, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll give this a run. And then continued to be frustrated by sort of two big things. The first one was um, that as the team scales, it becomes really hard for you to be a good actor as a manager. 
So like um, one of your deliverables as a manager is predictability. And um, when you have to talk to people because there's no good data around what they're doing in order to, to get predictability, then you're sort of this inherently destructive force because to do your job, you consume the time of individual contributors. So I really hated that. <laughs> I wanted to fix that. And the other thing was um, other departments had all of this sick data that they would use to build buy-in for whatever they wanted. Like the head of sales shows up and is like, hey, I need another $3 million this quarter. And someone asks, well, what are you going to do with that? And they're like, well, I'm going to compress the deal cycle time by 30%. And like, there's, you don't really have to know much about sales. You can kind of do the math on that. And then um, if the math works out, you figure they're going to succeed at it, they get budget. And engineering shows up to these same conversations, which are all like budget is zero sum. And we're like, life is pain. There's this technical debt stuff. And everybody, when engineering talks about technical debt, they're, you know, they're, we're like, hey, we want a month to pay down technical debt. And the rest of the org hears engineering is going to take a month off. <laughs> that's like completely not what's happening but it goes through sort of the executive translator function and since there's no new features coming out no one really knows what we're doing and so what i really wanted was a bunch of data to use on behalf of engineering for advocacy and then the ability to be like a non-destructive manager and so that was kind of the um impetus for building git prime which is a think of it like a logistics platform for the people side of engineering. So we have all this stuff um, and we have like servers and all that, and we have pretty good wiring around the stuff. But then when you look at the process of building software, there's not a ton, like there's just not a, a rich set of data. And so we, we get at that by plugging into like version control and the Git hosts and ticket trackers and a bunch of data sources. And then we do data viz on it because you can consume a ton of information really fast in that format. No, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's fun too. <laughs> and the website's beautiful. Oh, thank you. We just redid it. I think it's so cool because what you did was you made the intangible tangible. Yeah, exactly. And um, really helped bridge that gap between engineering who, you know, for so long we've just been thought of as these like weird wizards that periodically get angry and you got to like sprinkle money on the wizard tower. And that's just a really, (laughs) like, that's a really dysfunctional relationship because nobody, it's better if everybody can make these agreements and know what they're buying and like, we'll get more stuff and, and there'll be a healthier dynamic there. So that's the goal. And wasn't there a component where you can actually like learn more about the programmer or the coder themselves? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we're part of the goal here is to just get a really good view of ground truth. So, um, from our perspective, there's not, there's not any reason to sort of think of engineers as like good or bad or whatever, right? Like it, there's negative unemployment in software engineering. You're damn lucky to have every engineer you have. And so the, the sort of interesting side of building an engineering team is how to like put people where they're really strong and look back over a year worth of work and be like, gosh, they were really, they were crushing over here. It seems like they were super happy. Let's find another project like that. Um, and really think about building a team in a way where you can, you know, put it together the way that, um, that baseball puts teams together. You know, they have all these cool, like sabermetrics things and they can assemble these crazy powerful teams. Here's another thing that catches me about what you guys do. Yeah. You focused on, you started the conversation with people stuff, right? And you notice such an interesting angle about engineers 
introversion and things yep. of that nature. So the reason why I'd started the podcast was to help, you know, engineers all over the world learn and hear how these people that make it to the CTO of NASA or Microsoft, they started out as in, like quiet, shy individual contributors. Totally. And you're not typecast. It's not a permanence thing. It's like a, like if you look at, you know, uh, what, like a caterpillar and you say it's, it's only ever going to be a caterpillar, right? Yeah. You go through stages of growth. So one of the I, like founding ideas of the show was let's show all the different stages so people can realize that they're not like cemented in where they are today. They can actually learn these skills, become leaders, managers, and you know, influential individuals and transition and traverse this path and become more than they currently are today. And so by showing that all of these modern leaders that we, we think are amazing running these billion and trillion dollar companies all started out quiet, introverted individual contributors in small towns, yep. writing code. Yep. That, that is such a, it's attractive to me. So I like how you're coming in and innovating in the space. And uh, I, I just love it. Awesome. Yeah, we're, I mean, very similar minded, you know, um, I think out of all the industries that we talk to, engineers kind of get the less focus, the least focus on how to make that transition from like being a person who talks to melted sand for a living <laughs> to like being a person who predominantly deals with people for a living. That's a, that's a big shift. Um, and so we definitely need a lot more literature and support to help people make that transition. And the hardest part is when you first go, because yeah. it's like your mind is really good if you're, I'm social animal, or yeah. I'm contributor analyzing problems and I'm deep in my, you know, conscious, you know, and thinking and solving problems with myself. Then all of a sudden, when you're down there solving the problems, interacting with another human is so inefficient, it's unattractive. Yep. Right. It's like, yep. I'm, I'm so fast inside of my own mind for me to try to communicate with you is like, I'm just better by myself. And so that's like a hard thing that we have to transition out of. And yeah. then we get to that level where we realize if we can, um, orchestrate these unbelievable resources that we have that are people that are brilliant, we can get them to communicate and get them to work together, then we can accomplish like infinitely more. That's right. If you can act as a force multiplier for the engineers, that's a really powerful thing. And there's all these other lessons you have to learn along the way. Like the minute you get out of, you know, one of the things that always strikes me is when you're in, in engineering, we have this way when you're sort of building stuff, we just kind of interact with one another's peers all the time. It's awesome. And the minute you sort of jump up into management, maybe that's still happening with like the engineering team, but there's all these other players where status is super important, which is just this like new facet of, of the corporate world that you kind of have to engage with. And it, it can be really weird at first. Yeah. To, to have to, you know, all those communication and people skills yeah. that you have to do to play that social game is yeah like you get blindsided by it. Yeah, you've been in the boardroom or you've been in the meeting as the quiet technical reference. Yeah. And but it's different when you have to play in it. Yeah, exactly. It's super different. Yeah. Got to so get really good at reading people and all that fun stuff. So I get a, we get a lot of people that ask us like, you know, how do you do these specific things and it's hard because every time you need like context, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, let's boil it down to your exact situation otherwise anything I'm going to give you is like not applicable. Yeah. There's this great, so um, have you heard of the Sufis? It's, there's like this mystical tradition. Okay. Um, and they never wrote anything down because they were worried that people would read it and it would be like totally inappropriate to their situation. So there's all this wisdom in the world, right? But it's sort of like if you find a, 
if you found like a hundred years from now with DSM four and you were just like, well, this is all medicine. I'll take all the medicine. <laughs> right? Like that's not really how medicine works. It's like super specific to whatever's going on. And so I think that that is very similar to, to um, the way people go into management. It's like, there's no real, it's not like there's no real silver bullets. It's all about navigating these really quirky situations. You never really solve it. You just keep working the problem. It's wild. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that frustrated me about like the leadership forums online. Yeah. Like everybody's asking the same question over and over and they're trying to be a little bit ambiguous and then they're trying to give advice and like it just, they never seem to really like gain traction long-term yeah. and be a useful place. And I thought, you know, it's a lot like uh, the doctors where yeah. the people who have good health visit less and the people who have bad health are always in these emergency crisis states. <laughs> Totally. And it's like, if you just did like a good, healthy fitness regimen, mm -hmm. then 80% of your problems would go away. Yep. And so, you know, crack a book on being a good manager, a good leader, yeah. like on a, on a continuous basis. <laughs> Although I will say there's, there's a funny thing that happens where um, a lot of the management books out there are built for sort of sales side culture. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And that stuff doesn't always work in engineering. In fact, um, sometimes it's incredibly toxic to engineering. Yep. <laughs> like there's a, like one of the things that's very valuable, I've learned a ton about sales culture, um, which I didn't know before. But one of the things that's really valuable in sales is like making sure people are like the vibes are good. That mm -hmm. like people are stoked and like, you know, that's actually really important because it's really hard to sell stuff if you're kind of down in the dumps. So that's a thing that management focuses on on that side of the house. It's weird if you do that with engineers. They're like, what are you doing? Why are we in this meeting? I don't need to be fired up. I just need space to think. <laughs> so you have these cultures that are like not really super compatible with one another. And a lot of the management uh, literature out there is tailored toward this sort of like sales side management. So you have to, in addition to finding a good management book, you have to find one that is sort of geared toward managing creatives, right? Mm -hmm. And that there's a lot of stuff to sift through out there. <laughs> yeah. So we actually, it became such an interest, like what you're talking about right now is like our, it's in our sales pitch for our company. Oh, so, awesome. we have, yeah. so what happened was about month four of the podcast, we had people coming on they said, Hey, you know, we listen to the show. Um, we, we hear that you talk to these leaders on our commutes. How do we get our people to do these, you know, these small little ideas that you guys have on how to improve? And so we ended up creating this like MVP product in 10 days and pushing it out, got a couple customers and now we have 11 people. So we're about like, you know, almost a year later. That's killer. Yeah. So what we, what here was, here was the idea. Um, there's this whole world of like leadership development and training yeah. and it's ridiculous because they say, Oh, you come, you take this course, we'll give you a certificate and you're a leader. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> no I was, you're, not. you're a guy with a certificate or a gal with a certificate. That's what you are. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, man. Oh, totally. I was, I was blown away. I was like, there's yeah. no way this is true. It's true. It exists. Yep. So I said, well, the reality is that what we want is we just want them to do, you know, leadership things with their people. Like we just yeah. want them to go do something with their team or just do something with themselves, reflect and improve. And so I said, you know, why don't we create these like little leadership challenges for engineers and we'll do like weekly and we wrapped it in an app and we deploy it and then they make entries and then we ended up creating like a services part of the business where we have leadership advisors that actually like reply to them. Yeah. So they you know, coach and mentor them every week based on 
the reply, which is another interesting thing because when you go into a, like a mentor relationship, there's like no re like they share story. I analyze this. If you yeah. watch a mentor mentee, they get together, will you mentor me? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Then they share each other's best stories, deal with any emergency problems and that's it. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's super valuable. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was like, let's, you need context. Like we created these challenges. Now you can like talk about the challenge and do these yep. things. So we built that whole uh, program and now we're just selling it as leadership development for technologists because if you look at the, the sales, if you go to a company right now that has like, yeah. I don't know, 500 people, maybe 100 in engineering, and you ask their HR or L&D person, they have one management thing for every first time leader at the entire company. Yeah. And I'm like, you're really telling me that you're going to engage the sales first time leaders with the exact same program that you're engaging the technology oh, first time leaders? That's so nuts. And so have you read uh, that book, Drive by Daniel Pink? No, and I'm writing it down now. Super cool. It's all about motivation. Um, and one of the things that we, we read that like, super interesting literature, but um, if people are doing a task that they are familiar with, mm -hmm. the higher the incentive, um, the better they do. So this is why you see things like variable comp on the sales side. Cause there's a, there's usually really intense training. You learn a process and then it's about implementing that process and having like the finesse to do it with, you know, specific individuals, but it's largely built around this sort of known thing that you're running. And, um, you don't see variable comp on sort of the engineering or design sides of the house. And our, our thesis is that's in part due to the fact that, um, when people are solving novel problems, the higher the incentive, the worse they do. So like the more you pay them to solve it on time or whatever, the worse they perform. So since engineers are constantly running into these new problems, you really want to remove this feeling of pressure or risk. And that's not like, that's the opposite of sales. Sales thrives on that. Like they got a quota. There's like all this competitive stuff going on. It's super crazy over there. And if you do that to engineering, it basically backfires and you get worse work. And so it's just weird, like the, even the notion of how you sort of apply pressure in sales, right? Hey, we got this goal. We really got to hit it. You have to go that, about that in a really different way with engineers or what you will get um, from the same activity that increases performance in sales is a decrease in performance for engineers. It's crazy. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I knew when I, when I saw your philosophy background, I was like, yeah. this guy yeah. and I, we're going to hang out and talk about like the purpose of the universe and life itself. Amen. <laughs> I love it. So how did you get into, it sounds like you have like a split background, like, right? How did you get into yeah. technology? I mean, my uh, sad little joke that I always tell is that I graduated and realized the philosophy plant wasn't hiring, um, <laughs> which is like basically true. You know, like, oh, right, I need a career. Whoops. Um, so a lot of the stuff that you study in certain types of philosophies is actually pretty similar to um, code, like symbolic logic. You're doing all these proofs and stuff. Um, so I just, I got a, picked up a job, sort of taught myself programming, um, and then got identified as the most likely manager at, at a certain point because, uh, one, I didn't have a CS degree. So they were like, hey, why don't you move aside and like let the professionals work? <laughs> um, you know, there's there. I mean, that's not to say you can't be a strong self-taught engineer. You certainly can. But um, you get a lot of interesting stuff from a CS degree, like all these, you know, design patterns. So people can basically look at you and there's a little language that everyone speaks about architecture. And I didn't speak it. So they were like, well, you're technical enough. 
why don't you run the team? Um, got into that, did, uh, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, kind of doing team advocacy. I think that the view of software engineering is that you're sort of, um, part of your mandate as a manager is to act as this blast shield for the engineers and like create a little pocket where they can do work. And you're kind of like the sacrificial engineer. Like you go to the meetings so they don't have to, right? You talk to the bosses so they don't have to. You just run interference and create this little zone where they can work. Because at the end of the day, most engineering work, like the smallest unit of, of people doing meaningful, heady work in engineering is probably like a half day. Like if you imagine, if you imagine that um, someone books a meeting with you, you're an engineer, someone books a meeting with you at 3 p.m. Like you're going to get back from lunch and be like, well, I don't really want to take on anything super heady because if I get into a nice little flow state, then Bob from legal or whoever scheduled the meeting is going to come in and blow that up. And so what you really want to do is create these big chunks of time that engineers can work in. I love that, like just running interference and, and you know, kind of like making sure the trains run on time and all the good stuff that's in engineering management. So that's how I got into it. And then, um, you know, was, was basically driven by the need to have better uh, communication artifacts. Like, you know, a lot of people underestimate the power of manufacturing an up and to the right graph and putting that in a slide deck. Like that is how corporations work. <laughs> you basically have to show a picture of what's happening because executives learn through slide decks. They're like crazy spastic. I mean, I resemble this remark now. Um, you know, you stretch super thin. And so you really need a lot of the information that you're receiving to be pre-chewed. Yeah. Like intensely. And if it's not, you're just not going to get it. Like there's no, it's too much overhead. And so the part of the goal was to create these communication artifacts for engineering so that they can have these conversations in a meaningful way. And it's not, you know, the exact team being like rolling their eyes, being like, okay, we're going to listen to this nerd for 45 minutes and still not understand it. You know? Like that creates a dysfunctional dynamic and it's one that would happen. It's not unique to engineering. It's one that would happen in any industry if it wasn't sort of, if there weren't these, you know, this unified language around how progress happens. Um, so we're just a little late to the party. You're exact. I, I love it. It's like, it's my, it's like my brain's like this computer and it can tune to either of the frequencies, but it can't be both. That's right. And our brains are so much like computers that we also do this other really weird thing where like if you are, um, our, our brains are these amazing pattern makers, right? And if you feed it with a rich data set, then you can find all these patterns and like replicate success. And if you don't feed it, instead of a methodology for success, you get a mythology of success, right? <laughs> like, well, I can only deploy on Tuesday after 11 if I've had a snack or like whatever, cause there's just not that much data around it. And so, um, you know, the brain will always manufacture a pattern, but if you're in a data poor environment, you get this sort of weird cult like mythology. And if you're in a data rich environment, you get this sort of scientific way that you can, you know, replicate a great sprint or whatever you're after, like build a great feature. You can be methodical about, you know, building a really high performing team, which is awesome. And long-term that brings you tremendous value because what it does is it lets you look back and say, okay, I, I have data to prove I am more effective in this environment so I can stand up and protect this environment and this style of work. And then yeah. it allows me to have more wins as an individual, which then creates momentum 
And yeah. you can't have high-performing teams without momentum. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yep. And, and it, allows you to, it allows all these things that we do as engineers to be more powerful. Like, I'm sure we've all been in these really just like super weird retrospectives, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, well, we know we're supposed to do one of these. So we'll go around and we'll talk about how everyone felt. <laughs> for the last two weeks. You know? Everyone's like, why are we doing this? We're the math tribe. Why are we talking about feelings? And, and so that it gets weird. But if you have a bunch of information, then you can say, oh, gosh, it looks like um, the fact that the builds are taking 45 minutes is actually chewing up about, you know, a third of our productive time. So we should take action on that. Um, and you get instead of these sort of like very weird kumbaya sessions that, I, you know, when we talk to engineers, they don't love that style. You get this really focused, again, just methodical, um, very, uh, you get these conversations that are really awesome for your career because you learn more about your craft as an engineer. You learn more about the team's craft and how we build stuff. And that's just awesome. You've got snacks for the campfire. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. We're not just all sitting there. Just like yeah. staring at each like, other. We're like making the why? s'mores. Like we're here making s'mores. Yeah. The marshmallows yeah. you got. All right, I got stuff chocolate. Like let's let's rock and roll. Yeah. Otherwise, you're like, why is there a fire in the office? <laughs> 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 oh man. So there was like 400 Git jokes that just went through my head. <laughs> yeah, <I'll bet. laughs> yeah, I was just like, I didn't. I got overwhelmed by like picking which one. So it was just like me sitting there stone faced. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so your, yeah. your company's growing and you'll continue yeah. to grow and you'll get very large because of what you're doing. It's just a matter of, of time. And so that's why when I saw, when I saw you guys, I said, Oh, I got to grab onto these guys and, and, and push them out into the world as far and wide as I can, because, uh, this people judge you in life based on the quality of content that you bring into their life. So yeah. the better quality and more useful things I can tell people about, then they identify me as, oh, every time I learn from yep. Joel, it's very useful. And so it's, you know, I like that. Yeah. So you're saying at the end of this, we'll both be judged. Oh, like yeah. It. We're being judged right Excellent. now. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Raves the modern CTO podcast about <laughs> self. <laughs> we are amazing. Pull quote. Yeah. That's the hard. Speaking of transitioning from engineer to to like more social. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Like all the sales stuff that I've had to learn, and mm -hmm. all the marketing stuff I've had to learn. It's like we've got the best guests. It's like, well, of course you have the best guests. Why would you not have yeah. good guests? Like, <laughs> yeah. just say we have guests. Like that's like my engineer yeah. side is like. We that's have right. Guest. Just the facts. There are people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Carbon-based life forms only. You know? Yeah, some of them are fine. Some you will not like. <laughs> some will be in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a standard distribution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you'll yeah. just provide a graph. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like that stuff is, you know, if you get into the management side, there's all these skills that, that are like pretty basic things. Um, you know, like go to Toastmasters maybe. Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. It was awesome. I, you know, public speaking is still probably not my favorite thing. But I think you're great hey, at it. Well, why thank you. Once again, we are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but like you can learn it. You know, it's like anything else. That's the nice thing. You uh, learn whatever. Do you have kids? I have one kid who just turned two. Do you? Yes. I have a little girl who's about 17, 18 months. Ooh, that's fun. A little bit about a few months behind yours. But yeah, what I have what's been so true to me that is unbelievable you just mentioned is 
she can't speak words, but she taught herself how to walk, how to do things, how to get food. She yeah. do all of this stuff, and she is literally less than two human years old. And yeah. her brain, like she just did that. Our capacity and ability to learn is just massive, but we limit ourselves in, in every aspect, right? Yeah. By default. And then we have to come out of that and realize, look, I could learn another language if I wanted. There's people that know 20 languages. You know, I could become a great leader. I could become a great manager and do all of these things. So yeah, man, when, when we're talking about people's ability to learn and grow, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, especially if they're, if you just sort of turn toward it, I mean, you know, that's a, the thing I always find is like, if I'm not learning something quickly, it's usually because I'm sort of being a douche to myself. Like, <laughs> ah, I don't want to, you know, like, ah, it's hard. <laughs> just gotta sweep all that out of the way and be like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get after it and whatever, we'll get beyond it. Yeah. You just have to sit down, put in the time. Yeah. And that's the other yeah. interesting thing too. So you're a CEO now, right? You're technical co-founder, you're technical and a founder, but your label right now is CEO. And the interesting thing that I'm learning right now at the stage of, you know, about 11 people is <clears throat> I can do anything, but I can't do everything. Yeah, and that sucks, right? Yeah. Well, and so like now I look at my job as, okay, I figure out a role that we need and yeah. I figure out the process and then I document it and then I put someone in it and then I move on to the next thing. So I'm always doing yep. the most difficult, never done before thing at the business and then I yep. wake up every day with like a massive smile on my face to work, you know, 12, 14 hours to do it. Yep. And, and you it, gotta, you're like the thread, the, you thread the needle the first time, like prove that that stuff's possible, hand it off. Yeah, totally. But I like it. Yeah. Like because yeah. I grow and it's painful and it's difficult, but it's fun. But, but when it's like, uh, like one of the universe things, like I know putting effort in, it'll be difficult, but I know that feeling that you can only get from putting in hard work. And I love that feeling. I think you're a better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but it's contingent on like having, you know, the tools and kind of the, I don't know. I think I'm just, I'm just a little spoiled around it. Like I definitely love the same process you're describing, but I find it's so frustrating if you're, if there's not like, resources out there for learning the thing that you're after if you've got to if you've got to um, innovate every time oh innovation is so overrated it's like crazy expensive it's better to when you're training up on these things just to like go out find a good resource um you know so that's my my one caveat there yeah i <laughs> i just um i just did that with our marketing funnels yeah Totally. I was like, you know, I had some experience because I used some marketing to grow the podcast, but it didn't have revenue attached to it. I was just trying to get listeners, right? And share yeah. information. But now when we have to actually have ad spend to convert to show results to investors and oh, things yeah. like that, I just I just looked up like who are the top five in the world that have built multi-million dollar converting funnels? And I just had some meetings with yep. them and I hired one of them. It's like I I yep. can't. Now I'm going back to making leadership content. Like it's like yeah. Do the thing that only I can do. And that's so Absolutely. hard. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, there's a tendency to overrate creativity and like innovation. Cause like, that's what you're getting paid for. You know, that's what the world's rewarding you for. Um, but you really only want to do that, like in the little zone where you're doing it and all the other stuff should just be vanilla. Cause it's been solved. Like markets are really efficient. People have figured it out, right? Like you don't need to reinvent sales comp. Because that's actually a particularly terrible idea. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> oh my gosh. There's a whole, there's a whole company. There's multiple companies that are all around sales comp. This is one exactly. It's like their whole com whole company. They're awesome. Um, so you, like reinventing that stuff. I feel like there's almost this addiction that entrepreneurs have to like, Oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be clever here. We're going to have a unique way to do whatever marketing. But if you're not building a marketing product, that's probably a real bad idea. It's like there's, there's a time and a place for the innovation. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's, yeah. And it gets us. And then like what inevitably happens is you just realize you're doing it and you stop. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 my, my number of at bats for like stopping it before it happens. I'm very poor at that statistically, yeah. but I'm yeah. getting pretty good at reducing the amount of time. Cause like, I know that feeling I'm like, Oh, mm -hmm. when I'm, when my notes are getting too long, I'm like, I've created like 10 notes today that are like seven. Yeah. I've written 4,000 words today. Like, uh, there's a problem here. <laughs> Yeah, it's time to light these notes on fire and find a professional. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I realized that like, you know, you as you grow and go through this pressure, you learn about yourself a lot. Yeah. And your limits. Oh, yeah. And so what I realized is a couple things. Uh first, I'm growing into this concept of like being a writer and a speaker, right? When How's that going? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving like 20 talks around the world this year. Well, and that's awesome. I know. I didn't realize that uh I was good at it and yeah. and then if you take anyone who's you know good a little bit like naturally and then they have a drive to do it and then they actually put in the work then you get that like you know continuous yep. uh, momentum effect so I, I realized I really like writing I really like speaking and then I started offering writing and or like speaking services and people just started booking me as a speaker I was like this is so cool that's sweet yeah I think that um, the ability to, to try it like that and get a taste for it is super important. It's one of the things that, that um, I think sometimes it gets weird about the transition from engineer to manager. Like you get offered this thing and all too often it seems like you don't have a, a chance to sort of like, yeah, well, you know what? Let me try it for like six months and see if it's the thing I want to dig into. And if not, I'm going to go back and build some more stuff. Um, we've talked to a few people that are getting a little bit better about um, floating those types of like big career transitions as a, as a test batch instead of like this, you know, um, brand new career thing. I think that's super important because if you have the ability, if there's like all that psychological safety stuff, if you have the freedom to fail and be like, yeah, you know what? I tried it and I, I realized people are horrible <laughs> yeah. and uh, like, I just want to go back and, you know, keep being an architect or whatever. I think that's a really powerful thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Trying, trying stuff. Like, I guess the difference would be inside your mind, how you look at it. Right. Like yeah. I didn't, I never, there was never a day where I'm like, I cut off being an engineer and I started being this like book blog podcast guy. Like, right. You know, I've been writing code every, you know, for the past 17 years, all like essentially every day of my life up until I think July of like last year. And I just yeah. realized one day I'm like, I haven't, been you know writing code you know yeah <laughs> like right it's weird I'm like, right? I'm like this is weird and then like who who am i because then you have like an identity crisis <laughs> yeah, issue it's like yeah. my story is that of the engineer who's always been writing yeah. code and all my conversations are related to code related things and yeah and now i'm talking about leadership and then it's ah, it's amazing because I, I don't know it's it's a i heard you know jocko um yeah he has this line, like I listen to the morning audio when I get up, 
motivational type stuff. Yeah. Discipline, growth, happiness type stuff. And he has this thing where he says, uh, success and failure are typically very slow processes. You're either, <laughs> right? I hate that. It's yeah, so true. <laughs> I know. But it gives you some yeah. certainty that yeah. failure is slow too. Like, yeah. The feedback loops are so long. It's oh, crazy. So yeah. Long. It's not like, I mean, that's the nice thing about engineering. Like you run the build, it's either going to pass or fail. Quick feedback loops. I love that. Yeah. The whole success and failure thing. No, I mean, you know, I mean, we started a company. I think for the first two years we were like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. Like probably not just given the odds. <laughs> right. You know, it's like this, this weird long valley of death before you get, it's like farming. You right. plant some seeds at the beginning of the season, and then freaking six months later, you know whether or not that worked. That is a very long experiment. Yes, and then I'm assuming that, like, you know, well, you, you see this now that, now that you're in, like, a CEO role, um, yeah. the market, like, people buy, and the industry happens in, like, these seasons, too. Oh, yeah. And so it's incredible. Like, we'll get a bunch of cancellations at once. We'll get yeah. a bunch of new customers at once. And That's right. they come in these batches and they're, no one's yeah. connected to each other and there's no way they could know each other. And they're all over the world, but like it happens in these yeah. waves. And I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. There's tons of seasonality. It's really yeah. wild. I yeah. like, so with the slow and fast processes, the only cool takeaway I have from that is if you invest an hour a day into something and there's like 260 work days, I think in the, in the year, yep. that's a 40 hour work week. Yeah. Like, and it's, and like, oftentimes, you know, when you're learning new stuff, it's better than just actually spending a 40 hour week on it because your brain has to, you know, you go to sleep, it like myelinates all the new stuff that you learned. It's actually better to do this sort of long incremental thing. If you're trying to train up on a, on a skill set than it is to just cram for like a week, which is deeply frustrating. <laughs> Again, yeah. if you have a, if you have sort of a, you know, spastic attention span, but you know, building like the building the skill of building habits yeah. is crazy awesome. And I, and I totally was wrong in that last one. So people are probably cringing. So 260, that's 260 workdays and yeah. divided by eight is 32.5. So it's like, if you dedicate an hour a day to yourself, that's like 32.5 workdays. I think that's I'm, not bad. I think I'm saying that right. The problem is that make the, the difficulty with, with this math here is that it doesn't sound right. Yeah. Like, it's like, if you have 260 days, let's just check this math, Travis. You and I, we're actually going to break okay. it down here. We right. edit we're this talking out. only work days. Right. How many work days are there in a year? All right. How many work? I think, I think there's 260, 261, yeah. something. All right. 260, we'll say 260. Okay, great. Great. Yeah. So if we do 260 days and then we put an hour every day, right? Yeah. That's 260 hours. Yeah. Right. And we divide that by eight because there's eight hours in a work day. Mm -hmm. And that's 32.5. Yeah, that's a lot of that's like more than a month worth of work. Yeah, because it's what like twenty some twenty three yeah. days. Yeah, it's like it's like five six weeks worth of work. So if you invest yeah. one hour a day in yourself, but here's the here's the interesting thing. Think about this: people on average watch two or three hours of Netflix a day. That's, that's like, because they got some really good programming. They got some. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's like working a full time job for like twelve yeah. to fifteen weeks. Yeah. Like that's how much time. So like when you talk about success is in, in failure or slow processes, you can leverage the compounding effect in time and not really work that much harder and get yep. massive results. Yeah. That's awesome.
And you, you do it while you're watching Netflix. You know? Do it while you're watching Double Netflix. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I don't know. There's a productivity thing. I don't know why that came yeah. up. This is, um, as far as my notes go, incredibly off topic because I just really, <laughs> I was like, let's just talk Travis about everything. <laughs> oh, so I had a conversation this week with the CTO of Walmart. Oh, sweet. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. And they were like, they were, they're having the types of trouble or experiences of, oh, we're hiring 2,000 people this year. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually have Walmart Labs, which is yeah. the like R&D division for Walmart. So they hired 2,000 people last year, and they're hiring 2,000 people this year. And it's like 99% engineering. Yep. Yep. And so what are your hiring things like? <laughs> so we went through... Yeah, I mean, as you as you scale up, you get in these weird little. Um, it's like punctuated equilibrium, you know. I mean, we were probably three to four times the amount of people we were a year ago. Um, you know, it's the uh, the act of venture capital on a company is pretty pretty awesome. Yes. And then it's about you know everyone starts to feel the torque, and you got to make sure you're doing a good job, sort of, you know, culture and all that stuff. You think if you three x your staff in a year. Um, all this culture stuff sort of comes into play. Cause if you bring in, you know, a, a batch of assholes, they could take over. <laughs> so you got to watch that, um, you know, like good screening and all that. Um, and then the other thing that we ran into was you get to a certain point where you're, where onboarding people, like you could be, you'd be, I don't know, hiring 10 people at a time. And um, you get to a level of scale. Once you pull out of early startup mode where you can't just hand them a laptop and be like, good luck which is how we onboarded people, you know, it's probably still where you're at. Like, I don't know, you figure out what your job is. We got Google Docs. I'm a nerd, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you have a job title. You should, you should be able to handle it from here. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, the early days you kind of, you know, there's a class of people who come on board who are actually kind of fine with that. They, they like chaos and they're comfortable with it. Um, as you scale up, that just doesn't work anymore. So one of the things we had to get good at was um, doing more formalized onboarding. Um, and there's a, a, a woman who leads uh, revenue on our side, Lee Hong, who's done an excellent job of that. It's basically today we do a, it's a week long curriculum where people really learn what we're about. Um, we talk about sort of the difference between sales and engineering culture so that, um, so that there's not, you know, if, if you're in sales and you're looking to talk to engineers because they're the buyers, um, it's really easy to misfire on what a good conversation looks like because the cultures are just very, very different. So we go through a lot of that stuff. We go through kind of the intent of the product and why we're building it and, you know, what success looks like um, as a company. Like we're trying to sort of end the structural mismanagement of engineers, which is a really big goal. Um, and, and that's been a very powerful thing. You know, I, I, I would say at the level that, that Walmart's doing it, it's got to be a whole new, um, a whole new problem set. Um, but it's certainly as you start to hit this, this ramp phase in any company where you're onboarding people, you go from sort of like, Oh, there's a new hire to, Oh, there's a batch of new hires. <laughs> that, that batch transition is where you got to really get good at communication and helping people understand um, sort of what the job is in a deeper sense than I'm an engineer or I'm in sales. Um, so we, We've recently invested a lot in that and it's been great. Um, you know, I think that at, at each point, there's sort of like every order of magnitude 
you gain in staff. So like 10 people, hundred people, thousand people, the whole game changes. Like the way the processes change, everything becomes new and different. So it's been kind of fun. It's like the Peter Drucker, right? The internal mass yeah. grows exponentially. Yeah. That I love it. I love the overall mission. Like when we're talking here, it's like, we, we don't make a platform. We don't make these little leadership video challenges. We, yeah. you know, we don't send invoices and get sales. And what we're doing is we're making it easier for technologists to transition into leadership yeah. across the entire globe because the reality of the pain that these people will go through repeating the mistakes that we already know how to solve, it's yep. tremendous. It shouldn't be happening. And yep. so like we're just doing our part. And the thing that fuels us is like the thank you notes. Oh, we yeah. Thank you notes. We get so much like outreach from the community when, you know, when they start doing these things and taking action and, and it's just, I don't know. It's cool. Yeah. That's the greatest fuel ever. Someone sends in another like, Hey, I used your thing and I got promoted. You're like, Whoa, I, I didn't know we were that good. <laughs> no, we, we actually, we, that started happening. We have a video on yeah. the website, by the way, I yes. feel like you're setting me up. Like you've like looked up leader bits and like, you're just giving me a bunch of awesome topics. To talk about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video on our, on our webpage of Jer and he's like on a rooftop in Uruguay and he's like, thank you so much. It's been three months and I just got leveled up. And so we created a program yep. called level up where like it, we realized that the engineers doing these leadership programs to get better actually ended up getting them promoted. And so totally. then we, we called it like the accelerator program and now we have the accelerator and the level up. And so yep. we actually take people to the next level, you know, if they have to apply and we figure out which ones are the ones yeah, that sure. are ready for it. And then we accept them into the program. But like, that is, you should have seen me, man. I was like a caveman. I just created fire. I was jumping around after I saw that video. I was like, <laughs> we did it. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see the same stuff. Cause if you've got, you know, if you're a, let's say you're like a director and you roll up to a VP who has five directors and you're the only one who's bringing like pictures of what's happening in engineering. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, that's gonna be a powerful thing, right? Yeah. Um, you can take that, like, you, you know, you basically arm people to go into these, these um, meetings with the rest of leadership, whether it's like inside engineering or, or outside and show what's happening and talk meaningfully about it with math and stats and like depoliticize the conversations. It leads to promotions. And yeah. if that's your goal, I mean, not everyone's after promotions. Some people, you know, they're playing it. They just want like, cool, awesome work, which the more promotions you get, the more you're going to want that too. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. We have, a, know, we have a track for, it's called uh, Individual Contributor and Technical Mastery. Yeah. And it's for people yeah. who don't want to go into leadership or people leadership or anything like that. They just want to get yeah. really good and really influential at what they do technically. Totally. And so we have a track for that. And it's just like, just completely own your Ruby on Rails, you know, yep. gem that you've made or whatever it may be. So are you a remote company? Do you have a physical location? How many people are at your location? We're sort of a hybrid. Um, we're about half on site and half remote. Um, we're in a, we are headquartered in a small town. And, um, and you know, we, I think we initially thought we could be all remote. Um, it didn't always work well in every instance. There's a couple... Uh, it works pretty well for engineering. It works pretty well for um, for a style of hire who has been in the game for a while and just kind of knows, you know, they're really familiar with like uh, the nature of the job that they're being asked to do. Works really well for that. 
if there's a um if there's a learning curve around office culture or anything like that like if you're pretty you know when i graduated from college if i had been put directly into a remote work environment i would not have succeeded and i still don't work remote that often i i kind of like having an office so our view on that is to um is to try to give people the opportunity to work you know in the way that they that that fits with them stylistically um you know one of the nice advantages of a distributed engineering team is that you get two interesting things one it's harder to it's harder to mess with them right like you can just freaking mute slack and work and that's that's an awesome thing to have as an engineer is the the inability for people to shoulder tap you and you still have to be responsive you know if servers go down or whatever um but that's pretty powerful <laughs> <laughs> and and the other thing is um it oftentimes leads to more written documentation. So more written communication around requirements, um, you know, more documentation just sort of organically because you might be handing this off to people who you're not in a room with and you can't just explain it over a water cooler. And both of those things seem like pretty powerful side effects of, um, of a distributed engineering team. Now, we're not sort of hardline for or against. It's just a set of trade-offs and it works really well for us. What about you guys? So we, right now we have about 11 people and about two or three, one's a contractor, but full-time people, we have about 11 people and two are offsite and uh, the rest of us are in here in office. But we've been talking yeah. a lot about that, like the direction of the company, because, you know, there's the, some several popular companies that are fully remote with like thousands yep. of people. And I think that yeah, Buffer does a really good job of that. Yeah. And vision too, like a design yeah. tool. And, yeah. But, you know, for me personally, if I look at like my soul and what I want, I want to go into an office and have some energy and have some people. It is fun. But that doesn't mean that I would like right now, engineering is uh, distributed. They're out, yeah. out of house. Right. So like Nick, he's our engineer. And, and it's awesome the way that we've forced, it forces us to communicate in like a very efficient manner. And yep. then there's no, it, it forces discipline over laziness with like, yep. if I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write everything out in very clear details. We're going to have these structure periods. And then <clears throat> we end up in this cycle where we go a week without even talking and then we're together like constantly for several days. And then, yeah. And it works really, really well because he's just an A player, you know, he, yeah. he's very driven. He loves the mission and it's just, it's very unique. Same with my production, like Jake who's listening like we, we can go like a week or two without talking in detail. You know, we're in the office and so we see each other, but he produces the shows, creates the clip. Like he does, it's, it's known work. So it works really well. Yeah. I think that's the, the recurring theme that we hear as well. It's like remote work is for grownups. I don't really have another is. way to say it. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, if you're, you think about work and you're like, yeah, game on, let's do this. Let's just get in there and, you know, punch it out and I'm fired up that works really great. If there's a, um, you know, I don't know what it says about me that I don't love remote work. Jeez, maybe I'm not grown up enough, <laughs> but, but I think that you've got to really be kind of, um, you've got to have a really good sense of what a great day looks like. And you need to carry that for yourself if you're working remote and like, that can be hard. That can be really hard. It can, especially if there's any sort of, um, like exploration or, you know, uh, learning from other people. I, I find sometimes managers run into difficulty. I mean, 
video calls have changed a lot of this stuff and we've got a really good tooling around it now, but um, yeah, it's very stylistic. So what, what small town are you in? Durango. It's in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. How far is that from one of the major cities? Pretty far. <laughs> it's probably like uh, from what you would call an actual city. We're probably like four hours in any direction. We have a customer called Logarithm. Do you know them? Yeah. Like security event analysis. And yeah. they're out in Colorado. They're in Boulder. Yeah. So how far are you from? There's some tech up there. We're like six hours. <laughs> so you're like a separate trip. Are you? What are you near? I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Map Nothing. it. We're right near now. nothing, <laughs> but we have an airport, so we can pull it off. <laughs> and so is what, how did you choose Durango? I grew up here oh, you know, okay. left for a while, did a, did a tour of duty in cities, like a lot of us do for career stuff and then came back here. And, and fortunately there's a, um, fortunately for us, there's a growing appetite from venture funding for, you know, companies that aren't necessarily headquartered in, in like the Bay area or one of these major tech hubs. So I think the timing was really good. Um, I think, you know, if we'd started a f even a few years earlier, that was still sort of a novel idea that you wouldn't park yourself in one of the big, I mean, the Bay Area is like tech mecca, you know. Um, and I think that the investors are starting to open up the idea that companies that are in non, non-metropolitan areas can also do great because the tools and, and remote work have allowed us to do that. It's because it's becoming popular in the investor community. Yeah, you can still get awesome returns and great work done without being in a fake right. city. Yep, it's just a little bit of a pain to go to the board meeting sometimes. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I pulled up, I pulled it up on the map. Yep, yeah, you're in like an interesting spot. Yeah, but you got it's the, awesome. the Navajo Nation re Reservation nearby. Yep, yeah, Southern U Reservation around here too. I did um, for Christmas. My wife and I got DNA test. To see nice. if we were really married. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we are. Yeah. So, so um, I am 99% like from the UK and 1% yep. American Indian. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which was way overstated by my parents, by the way. They're like, oh, yeah. you're 50% American Indian. Yeah, my yeah. brother right. went as far yeah. as to like get a tribe identifier and everything. Whoa, nice. Yeah, he's like, next level yeah he potawatomi is the tribe wow yeah it's oh cool i know but, i gotta go do that 23 and me or whatever yeah man it's cool I they know. give you the maps they give you a map yeah. and it shows where like you're from that's pretty sweet yeah i was like really not split like everyone else's screenshots they were like 80 percent, <laughs> like 10 percent one yeah. thing 100 i'm like 99 percent from the uk and then one percent wow. american indian wow i know well there you go yeah i told my parents they like yeah. discredited like, it <laughs> well clearly the science is bs <laughs> you can't you can't if i've learned one thing about technology it's you can't trust science yeah i mean who are you to throw shade on our oral tradition yeah the computer doesn't <laughs> even turn on all the time yeah <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna trust that thing <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah i gotta go get that done and compare it to sort of like the the what what how we you know, what we think we are and where we think we come from. Yes. I love that you can just grab the science on that these days. I love yep. the, that word you taught me today um, or the phrase punctuated equilibrium. Oh yeah. Like I looked it up real quick and mm -hmm. so the, what I got from my 32nd scan was when a fossil, when, when a species becomes a fossil, then it's chance for like long-term permanence is 
is punctuated equilibrium. Is that what it was or did I not? Yes. So punctuated equilibrium is like, um, it's sort of um, what venture funding manufactures and companies. So you have this spell of like basically equilibrium where um, the company is, is largely just sort of scaling up organically, doing the same types of behaviors. And then you get a venture round and it's like, boom, you triple your staff overnight. And so there's this crazy, it's not like this, this sort of slow climb of growth. It's largely equilibrium, maybe a little growth, and then a cliff of growth. And then you sort of find equilibrium at that new level and then another cliff of growth, you know? Um, so a lot of times learning happens this way where you're like sitting there, you're working at stuff and you're like, ah, you know, I'm getting a little bit better at it. And then bam, you're great at it. You see this in kids too, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they have a they have a couple words that they can hardly pronounce, and then one day you wake up and they're freaking talking. Yeah, they're like so what fast. was that a whole sentence? That was crazy. <laughs> so punctuated equilibrium is this like you're just sort of you know at a certain level, and then all of a sudden you climb to the next level almost instantly. But it's the result of you know investing in sort of subtle skills and continued progress at the level you were at that then flips you to a new level out of nowhere. It was like we were like we got our sales. So I was getting sales. Joel was getting sales, right? Me. And yeah. then we were. I did like a hundred grand in like three months. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'd never done sales. I like Googled sales training, like just kind of taught myself. I was really yep. not good at it. But then I figured out how to do it. And then it's like a process, like baking a cake. And yep. then then the we got some venture capital. We raised our first round because I proved it. I was like, all right, people want it. It's useful. We're getting yep. video, we have video testimonials. Let's like make it a business. Yep. And then then we got money in. And then this whole scramble was, you know, hiring two or three salespeople, resourcing totally. them, getting all their systems set up, and then figuring out how to get them to sell it and not be the founder. Because our messaging yep. had to change. Like I can't just say, hey, I'm Joel trying to change the world. Meet with me yeah. and let's talk. Like we had to get enough values that people who weren't me could go through the sales process. Then we had totally deal with, now we're at this point where I'm, where I'm sitting around and I'm like, we got sales firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Like they can close sales, meet with people, do great service customers without me. And now it's time to get marketing. So that's why I did the, the funnels I told you about earlier. And then I'm looking yeah. at my, my like 90 day plan. I'm like, all right, so after this company does marketing and this, this funnel generation, we're going to have this like larger influx. We're going to need to grow sales and then just take it to the next level, which is going to be like a new location, you know, figuring out all these new problems, but um, it's, it's not boring and I'm really excited about it. Where are you guys located? We're in Florida. Nice. So we're about an hour South of Tampa. Sweet. Yeah. And um, we're we're like in a beach town, but I'm a native here. Like I was born and raised here. So Love it. Yeah. And then you, you guys have like moose or they call them meese. What's the plural of moose? <laughs> I th- think it's just moose. It's just moose. Okay. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah, we got a couple moose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We had one walking through the river the other day. Well, well he's getting water. some water, right? Yeah. They're cre- like, you're not supposed to interact with moose. If you see them. I heard they're much bigger in person. they're very big and weirdly dangerous like they just they'll just like charge you and stomp you because they're just pissed about being moose (laughs) they're upset about being moose i don't know i don't know why they do it but they are they're very aggressive like if you see a moose you you should just not like you just go the other way maybe it's our fault probably yeah i mean yeah because they say that the plural of 
the internet's telling me it's like it's um mice which doesn't sound right what is mice yeah definitely use that uh, well first of all i think google's broken yeah Uh, but yeah somebody says it's like mice i don't know we're gonna get the quora cto on the show and then i'll ask him i'm not kidding you now and i have problems like this is how my life goes i'm not kidding you three weeks ago zoom outage like, yeah. I had an important sales call to get onto Zoom outage. Yeah, I was like, Chloe, get the CTO of Zoom on my show. <laughs> oh my gosh, they! I love what they're doing. Boy, I mean, they, yeah, they've had you know everybody has the wrinkles as as you scale, but I tell you, cracking um, cracking video conferences and having that they have all these cool little features that I, we just discover. Like you can, so right now you can click waiting room. So if somebody yeah. joins this, they don't just interrupt the call. That like sandboxes them off somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, a lot of really, they're solving for a lot of really cool stuff. Dude, I just saw the, I just, I'm going to screenshot this and send it to you after the call. Yeah. Um, you know how you do the, it clicks the link and it opens a Zoom call, but then it's got the web browser. They've got this yep. graphic there and it looks like Slack. It's like discover the newest features in Zoom. Uh-huh. I'm seeing it right now for the first time. So I, I apologize for just. Maybe that's a new feature. But it, no, the, the interface, the Zoom thing looks like, looks like, like a Slack. Whoa, weird. Yeah, and, and they have like that's, mobile phone and it shows people like sharing gifts with each other and stuff. That's mostly what people do with phones. Yeah. Well, that's why they that's were invented. The purpose of phones. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I want an excuse to come visit you. Like I wish you were in a bigger town. Dude, you have yeah. one. Moose. Mo- will you show me a, if I come out there, will you show me a moose? <laughs> I don't know where they are, but we can try. <laughs> Let's track down a, a herd of, yeah. of meese. <laughs> yeah. We'll go up into the high country and see what we can do. But is it, is it, it's like a, it's a modern town. It's not like, you know, the 1900s. I mean, parts of it, you know, there's like, you know, kind of like an old West vibe. That we That's try to keep cool. real. The hilarious thing about small towns um, is that there's this nice little equalizing effect. Like if you're in a city, the nicest restaurant in that city, you probably are never going to eat there. If you're in a small town, the nicest restaurant, we've all eaten there. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a nice little, it's a nice thing about, you know, ski towns and stuff. Um, so it's a pretty fun place to live and work. It does, you know, as you're aware, if you're working in a non, non-city location, it just means you're probably on the road a bunch. Um, yeah. Are you on the road a lot? I am on the road a lot. Where do you visit most? Jeez. I think we go out, um, the, we do the mountain states, uh, cities when they do sort of tech, um, tech summits. We're just out in Silicon Slopes. It's a great event. Yeah. Um, they do a really good job you know, Bay area, a fair bit. Um, a lot of it's customer visits. You gotta, we gotta make sure we're, we're doing a good job. And, um, sometimes the best way to do that is to sit down and watch somebody's face when you ask them Yeah, and they're like, yeah, you're doing a great job. And you're like, look, you can dish. Yeah. Like, Tell me what's broken right now. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So, that's yeah. I've learned that that's, they don't want to disappoint you. Like, especially if yeah. they like you, if you're likable. And so I find myself like having to pull feedback out of people like, Totally. Yeah. I mean, people are just classy, right? Like yeah. they want to be like most people are pretty, pretty awesome. And so they don't want to be um, awful to you, but sometimes you got to just draw it out so you can be better. So road time is super important. Uh, I think it's easy to get, if you're not in a, in a hub, it's easy to sort of get lulled into complacency around travel and be like, hey, I don't really want to do that, but I don't know. It's really important to sort of get in a room with people too. Yeah. The energy of, the meeting, like travel and yeah. to, to meet awesome people. Like I, I really enjoy 
that that's what makes it what makes it fun yeah absolutely travis this is one of my favorite discussions <laughs> nice <laughs> it, it i don't know different people different types of discussions and that's what makes the the podcast so cool right because yep. sometimes people like you know just hearing tech people hang out and talk about what they're actually experiencing other times we're all like leadership leadership value value, value. and like it's just it's, yeah. it's uh this is this is one of my um one of my personal favorites. So you're fantastic. Thank you so much Likewise. for coming on and hanging out. Yeah. I look forward um, to meeting you in the future because yeah, you're, you're a great, yeah. great human, Travis. I don't know if you needed that, that comment from me, I, but <laughs> look, I always, I'll put it on my wall of accolades. Great human. <laughs> great. 2019. Great human. Live <laughs> podcast host. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so look, much. Thanks Travis. for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a great day, my friend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help, please take a moment right now to open up the iTunes app and leave a review of the podcast. If you take a screenshot of the review and text it or email it to a friend who needs to listen to the podcast and then CC me, joel at moderncto.io. If you CC me on the email, I'll send you a copy of the Modern CTO book or give you a shout out on the podcast, whichever you prefer. We're trying to get listed on the top 100 for iTunes, and I need your help in order to do this.